Welcome to week number two in our series called Baggage, and uh, we kicked it off last week, and we're taking another step here uh, today. We're going to call, we're going to look at relational baggage, but just to give you an idea of what's coming up in the future, next week we're going to be talking about uh, the baggage of guilt. So many of us are weighed down because of things that we've done in the past, and, and, and we're just carrying around all kinds of guilt, and, and that's so important that we free from that guilt that we're going to spend a whole week next weekend uh, talking about the baggage of guilt. We're also at the end of that message. We're going to share communion together uh, both in Poughkeepsie and in Hopewell as a church family. One church, two locations. So I hope you make plans to be here next weekend. Uh, and, and then two weeks uh, from this weekend, from uh, two weekends from now, uh, one of my, probably my best friend uh, in, in ministry, Randall Langley. I've been after him for years to come uh, and, and he's going to be here with his wife, Lori, and he's going to be closing out this series of baggage. Uh, Randall's one of the best communicators, best preachers I know. I mean, he's really fantastic, and, and so I'm going to enjoy just sitting there listening to him, uh, and he's going to bring the finale of this series uh, called Baggage. But for the sake of, of uh, our time together right now, I want to talk about relational baggage, and, and many of us have uh, relational baggage, stuff that's just accumulated over the years. And one of the things we talked about last week is this is baggage that, that really so many of us carry. I, I think none of us are immune to it, uh, really. And, and we discovered this truth. You can't fix a spiritual problem with a natural solution. And, and that's what baggage really is. It's a spiritual problem. And, and so every one of us talking about relational baggage uh, today Every one of us has been burnt in a relationship. Uh, every one of us has been wounded in, in a relationship. Uh, er, so some, of us, uh, some have lost children. Uh, some have lost a spouse. Some have lost a marriage. Uh, some have just had their hearts broken time and time and time again. Here's the thing that, that I think is true of the human experience. It's certainly true of my experience, both just as a, as a man, middle-aged man, and uh, uh, as a pastor for over 25 years. Uh, few people deal with relational baggage in a healthy way. Very few people deal with relational baggage in a healthy way. And so that, that's what this message is all about. We're going to look at a lot of scripture. And, and as we talked about last week, recognizing the baggage is here in our minds. And, and we need the truth of God's word to really renew our minds and, and drop the baggage. So that really uh, we can live free and travel light. So let, let's talk about relational baggage, and I want to I start by looking at a story real briefly in the book of Genesis, and uh, chances are, if you've read the book of Genesis, I know, I know a lot of folks have read through the whole Bible or just, you know, parts of it, no, if you've read through the book of Genesis, you've read through this, and you probably went through it so fast, you're just like, whoa, you just don't even remember this. And yet there's something key in just a couple of verses that I want to look at in Genesis chapter 11 that I think has a profound impact on what we're talking about in terms of relational baggage. So let's look at this, Genesis 11, beginning in verse 27, and I want to read through it, just point out a couple of things, and then kind of connect the dots for relational baggage. Look at what it says. This is the count of Terah. So, so it's kind of like giving a little bit of a family tree. You're going to recognize a name here in just a minute probably a couple of them, uh, but, but uh, Terah is kind of the father. This is where it started. This is the account of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram. That's Abraham. Later, God changed Abram's name to Abraham, and so Abraham was what? The father of our faith, the Bible says, that, that God chose him and said, through you, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed, and, and so 
Abraham, Abram's father, his name was Terah. And then it goes on and says, Nahor and Haran. So Terah had three sons. And back then, that was pretty much all that they named with the, with the males. That was the way they did it. And it said, Terah became the father of Abram and Nahor and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. How many of you have heard his name before? You know, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. That, Lot was all about that. That's, that's about his life. And so while his father Terah was still alive, listen to this now, Haran died in Ur of Chaldees in the land of his birth. So Terah had three sons, Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran, and because of the order it appears in Scripture, he was the baby boy, and he died. Now, probably one of two things happened. It was either some sort of uh, uh, disease or some sort of tragedy. And, and he died. You know, it, it, I, I know people, and it's so heartbreaking to think about, that, that, that have moms and dads that have had to bury their kids. And there's something just like, it's not supposed to be that way. I, as a son, I, I had to, to uh, actually as a pastor even, uh, my mother passed away and she asked me to officiate her funeral. And I kind of thought, you know, okay, that's par for the course. And, and uh, I pray my dad, my dad's still alive, uh, 78 years old, I pray he lives a long, long, long life. But, but I know one day, God will allow, I'll probably be there as well. But, but it seems like something unnatural when, when parents have to bury their kids. And, and, and heartbroken. And, and that's what happened here to Terah. Terah, his son Haran, died in Ur of the Chaldeans, in the land of his birth. His, his youngest baby boy died. And then we look at verse 31. And it says after this, Terah took his son Abram, Abraham, his grandson Lot, the son of Haran. So Lot was Haran's son. This is, this is Terah's grandson. And his daughter-in-law Sarah, Sarai, the wife of Abraham. And together they set out from Ur of Chaldeans to go to Canaan. Watch this now. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Did you follow that? So, so they set out to go to uh, uh, they set out from Ur of Chaldeans to go to Canaan. What is Canaan? Canaan is the promised land. That's the place that God ultimately said, this is what I'm going to give you, Abraham, as your inheritance and all those who come after you. And, and he's going to, supposed to go to Canaan. But when he came to a city, watch this now, that's name was the same as his son who had died, Haran. When he came to Haran, they settled there. They never got to Canaan. They stopped when they lost Haran, and they stayed in Haran, and they got stuck in Haran. Now, I don't know this to be a fact, but isn't it interesting? He was headed to Canaan, and later on in Genesis, we find what? God interrupts Abraham and says, I want you to go to that promised land. Abraham was in this place, but his dad got stuck in Haran, and then the next statement, look at the next verse, it says, Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. He got stuck. His son, Haran, died, and he never moved on from Haran. He got stuck. 
And I think this is an important story. You know why? Because relationally, Terah got stuck when he, got, when he lost a child, when his heart was broken. And, and when it comes to relational baggage, so many of us are stuck because we got our hearts broken, because we were let down. I, I've got to be honest with you. Uh, I think in, in kind of outlining this whole series and studying this series, I think this is the hardest message. And, and I was trying to think, man, how can I just lighten the, this up? and just, just kind of add some humor and all, and I'm not sure that I can accomplish the task. Because this is really hard. We're dealing with some real hard stuff. When we talk about the baggage, relational baggage, it, it's really, really hard. And so let me, let me just talk about three different ways that relational baggage affects us. Three different ways that relational baggage affects us. When we just continue to carry baggage from relationship to relationship. First thing is this, it keeps us from our potential. Relational baggage keeps us from our potential. Now I can't say for certain, but you know what, I, I've actually heard some, some uh, biblical teachers talk about this, that, that maybe just maybe God's desire was to use Terah to be the father of a great nation. But Terah got stuck. And so instead he used his son, Abraham, and called Terah was on his way to Canaan, to the promised land, and he never made it there. And so God had to interrupt Abraham and said, I'm gonna bring you to another place. And he brought him to the place that Terah started out to go to. Never arrived there. Relational baggage keeps us from our potential. In Psalm 73, verse 21 the psalmist put it this way, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. What a description of relational baggage. When, when, when my heart was busted up with grief, do you know what happened? I became, my spirit became embittered. I was senseless and ignorant. I was irrational in what I did and what I said and what I felt. That's some heavy baggage. That's some heavy baggage. And that kind of baggage will keep you and keep me from fulfilling our potential. Second thing that uh, relational baggage does is this. It pollutes our other relationships. You ever notice that? It pollutes our other relationships. I, I mean, uh, I, I remember at least it was this way when I was uh, single and in college. You know, sometimes... Uh, you know, there'd be like, a, a, I don't know, an attractive young lady on campus, and, you know, the guys would start talking about, hey, what about, what about so-and-so? And they're like, oh, yeah, she's cute as anything, but she got some baggage. <laughs> and what were they saying there? Well, they were saying this. Somebody, some guy busted her heart up, and you know what? If you go out with her, <laughs> you got all that baggage you got to deal with. pollutes our other relationships. It, it, it causes us to, to, to really look at people completely differently and, and maybe even jade our perspective and, and give us a wrong outlook and a wrong perspective because of what someone did to us way back when. It colors everything that we see and every, every opinion that we have of other people after that. It pollutes other relationships. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15 
In J.B. Phillips' translation, I love it, it says, uh, it's so clear, a bitter spirit is not only bad in itself, but can also poison the lives of many other people. You, you know, people that have relationship baggage, a lot of times, they're toxic. You just, just hear, when they open their mouth, it's just negativity. It's just like, and the more they talk, the more you feel like, I'm gonna have to go home and take a shower when I'm done. Because I just feel like it just threw up all over me. And, and it's like poison. And the Bible says that. A bitter spirit, what is that? From relational baggage, it's where it comes from. Bitterness is resentment because of something someone else did to me. A bitter spirit is not only bad in and of itself, people don't keep bitterness and resentment. And, and relational baggage to themselves, it also poisons the lives of many others. And so relational baggage keeps us from fulfilling our potential because we get stuck, just like Tara got stuck in her end. And, and it pollutes our other relationships. You know what I've discovered in life? You've, you've probably heard this before. I think this is really true. Hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. And, and, and it's like, we got hurt, and you know what? Now we become those who do hurt. Just spewing poison and resentment, bitterness, because of relational baggage that we're carrying. And, and you know what hurt people do? Hurt people, hurt people, and then they take to social media and vent. And they just tell everybody how it's just not fair, I got hurt so bad. And, and, and I always just want to ask the question, I, I don't comment too much on social media, but, but I always want to ask the question, how's that bitterness working out for you? <laughs> Do you feel better just, just churning with resentment? Is it helping you sleep at night? See, see, because here's the thing, you can't fix a spiritual problem with a natural remedy. And, and, and relational baggage is a spiritual problem. Only God can fix that. Venting won't fix it. And so relational baggage keeps us from our potential. It also helps, it, it causes us to pollute our other relationships. And, and, and here's how that looks. Just, just three points how we pollute our other relationships. First of all, it makes us defensive. We, we just become defensive. You know, like, dude, why are you so, why are you so uptight? What, me uptight? I'm not uptight. Why is it always me that's uptight? I'm not defensive. Why is it me that's defensive? I was like, dude, just chill. What'd I do to you? It causes us to be defensive. The second thing is it makes us distant. In, in counseling, we call this approach avoidance. Hey, have you ever seen someone like this before? No, no, don't look at your spouse right now. It's not a good time to do this. But, 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 but someone's like, hey, how you doing? And they're like really, really great at that meet and greet. But as soon as you get to know them, you're like, whoa, they got some stuff going on. And so it makes us distance, like, hey, and then, and we just withdraw, and we keep everyone at arm's distance. Listen, I know what I'm talking about on this subject. I was a master at this. I was a master at this. I'll talk about that in just a second. And here's the third thing. The, the third thing that, that uh, uh, relational baggage does in terms of polluting our relationships, it makes us demanding. It makes us demanding. I want this. This should be how, this. And it's all because like, we're carrying these bags. 
And it's like, I'm never going to let anyone hurt me again like this. Therefore, and you just begin to demand stuff. It causes us to be defensive, it causes us to be distant, and it causes us to become demanding too, all relational baggage. So the first thing is it keeps us from fulfilling our potential. The second thing is it pollutes our other relationships. And now here's the third thing, and this is the worst of all. Relational baggage destroys our relationship with God. It destroys it. What do you mean by saying that, Greg? Here's the thing. You cannot separate your relationship with other people from your relationship with God. They're one and the same. People that aren't good with these relationships aren't good with this relationship either. First John put it this way, how can you say you love God but hate your brother? If we say we love God and we hate our brother, the truth of God is not in us and we make God to be a liar. How's that possible? How can we say, God, I love you, when, when God's commandment to us is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your strength and love your neighbor as yourself? No, nah, I love you, God, but not, not, not Brother Bucket Mouth. <laughs> I, I don't have any love for a sister sounding brass. It destroys our relationship with God. By this, all, Jesus put this, by this all men will know you're my disciples, my followers, what? by the love you have for one another. You, you can't cheat on that. You, no shortcuts there. Jesus talked about this real clearly in Mark chapter 11, verse 25. He said this way, when you're praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Oh man, that's red letter stuff. Jesus actually said that. He said, when you go to pray, you make sure you have no grudge toward anyone. Forgive everyone, and then your heavenly Father will forgive your sins too. Wow. See, see here's the truth. You and I cannot experience what God wants to do in our lives if we're not willing to extend that same thing toward others. You and I will never experience what God wants to do in our lives if we're not willing to extend that same thing toward us. In other words, we'll never experience forgiveness from God if we're not willing to forgive others. We'll not experience mercy from God if we're not willing to give mercy to others. We'll not experience grace from God if we're not willing to extend grace to others. Jesus talked about this also, and you know this in the Lord's Prayer. Remember Matthew chapter 6, verse 12 and 14? It says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. God, we're determining how much we want you to forgive us by how much we forgive others. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And so relational baggage destroys our relationship with God as well. And, and the good news is, that there is healing, and there is a healing process. The, the, the great news is that our God's, the God that we serve specializes in healing broken hearts. And so I guess the question for us today is this, are we willing to let God heal our broken hearts? For some of us, we've gotten so accustomed to our bags 
They've become our identity. That's why we're holding on to them. We don't want to let them go. And it's just like we just, we nurture them and we take good care of our bitterness and our resentment and we put them to bed at night and then in the morning we wake up and say, oh, this is my unforgiveness. This is my, this is my relational baggage right here. Oh, my sweetie. <laughs> and, and we don't know what we do if we just let it go. We don't know what our lives would look like if we just let it go. And so it becomes our little pet. But God specializes in healing broken hearts. Psalm 147, verse three, put it this way. He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. But here's the thing. He's not gonna put you under in order to do it. He's not gonna knock you out. You gotta lay up on the table. You and I have to choose. God, I want you to heal me. I'm gonna let you heal my heart. This is what he wants to do for for you. This is what he wants to do for me. But it's our choice. We have to open our hearts and let him do it because he wants to heal our broken heart and bind up our wounds. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, this is kind of our, our framework for this whole entire series called Baggage. Let's look at it again. We looked at it last week. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war. She's in a metaphor of war. We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons or the tools, is a great way to look at it for the, for the sake of our study, the tools, the weapons that we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power talked about this last week, to demolish strongholds. That word stronghold in the original language of the New Testament, which is Greek, is kind of real close to the idea of baggage. It's believing a lie and living a lie that we believe rather than the reality of what truth is. It's stronghold in our minds. And it goes on and says, and we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, it's in our minds, and we take captive what? Every thought. There it is. It shows us where the baggage is. It's in our thoughts. And make it obedient to Christ. We make it obedient to Christ. We say, I'm receiving, God, your truth about this, about who I am, not the baggage from my wounds and from my pain. And so there is a healing process. And so in the rest of the time that we have together, I, I want to share with you three counterintuitive actions for healing from the scripture. Three counterintuitive actions for healing. But because here's the whole thing. If, if holding on to our hurt brought healing, we would all be fine, wouldn't we? Have you ever heard this one? Time heals all wounds. What kind of idiot came up with that? Somebody's still walking around with a lot of baggage. Time doesn't heal wounds. Time causes wounds to fester. To fester. That, that's why, let me just say this, I've seen this too many times. I've seen, I've seen pastors quit over this, this subject we're talking about. Relational wounds, relational baggage. I've seen tremendous men and women that love God that their whole entire lives completely sidetracked over what we're talking about. That's how important it is. Because here's the thing. If you have a little bit of bitterness in your heart right now towards someone, you just, what does that look like 10 years from now? 20 years from now? It doesn't stay in one place. It grows if it's not dealt with the way God wants us to. 
And so these are really counterintuitive actions for healing. Here's the first one. Reveal the hurt. That's the first, you just gotta, you just gotta, you gotta come, come out with it. Reveal the hurt. This is one of the reasons why small groups are so important to us here at Valley Christian Church because it's an opportunity for us to just kind of like get real and deal and reveal the hurt. And, and in fact, not a commercial for it, but we had group link last, last Sunday night. We've got a couple of slots that are still open in some of our community groups, and you can sign up online, but they're filling up fast, and it's, it's first come, first serve. Man, Greg, I've been around here a little bit. Why do you talk about this small group so much? I'll tell you why, because it's, it's what's changed my life. I became the pastor of this church when I was 24 years old, senior pastor of this church. I went from a senior in high school uh, to the senior pastor of this church in seven and a half years. I was in a youth group. Seven and a half years later, I was a senior pastor, and I wasn't ready for what was about to happen. I got my hide torn off by church folks. I mean, tore up one side and down the other. And, and, and I got hurt. I, I mean, th- there were times, you know, Sunday morning, I didn't even want to get out of bed. And, and my wife's like, you're the pastor. You really need to go to church. I'm like, oh, leave me alone. I don't want to see those people. They're so mean. They're so nasty. Of course, I'm not talking about any of you. But, uh, uh, and, and that was 1993. And, uh, and, and, and I had hair. And, and, uh, and that's, that's a big reason why it's not there anymore. And, and I remember year after year, man, I would get so burnt out and so frustrated because God had just put something in my heart, a vision of what he wanted the church to be. And you know, it's what Valley Christian Church is today. But man, it was hard, hard leading that from where it was. And, uh, and, and I remember every summer we'd go down, at the time my in-laws lived in Florida, and we'd go down for a week, and, and, and I would just lay in the lounge chair out in the sun, and it's not like I get tan. I, I literally go from, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so white I'm clear. And, and uh, when the sun comes out, I just go to tomato red. There's no in-between. I can put 120 sunblock on. It's just like, whoosh, whoosh. But it, for me, it was more like, I just wanted to lay out there. And, and, and I have my, my Walkman. This is a 90s. I had my Walkman with my CD in there, and I put my CD in there, and it was just like for hours, I would just lay there, and, and, and as I'm listening to music, uh, my wife will tell you the truth, I would just like be crying. i say, God, don't make me go back to that place. I mean, my heart was just broken up. I was like, God, I can't do this anymore. And that was from the time I was about 20, 24 years old to about 28. For four years, it was hell. When I became the pastor, our church was 120. And, and, and in the first year, I grew it down to about 75. I mean, it was just everything we could do. I mean, it was just, just holding on. And I'll never forget it when I was 28 years old, laying in the sun down in Melbourne, Florida, on vacation, saying, God, I don't want to go back to that place. And I heard God speak to me. And he said, Greg, I want to heal your hurts. I had a lot of relational baggage. I shared some of it last week, last week's message. And I was like, okay, God, go ahead and do it. He goes, this is how I want to do it. He said, I want you to go back to New York, and there's five men in the church and there were specific men that came to mind. 
And he said, I want you to invite each one of them out to breakfast individually. And I want you to tell them how much you need them. And I want you to tell them that you need to just open your heart up to them and you're gonna do that. And as you open your heart up to them, I'm gonna heal your hurt. I was just crazy enough to do it because what I was doing wasn't working. And I just, I, I met with each one of them and they said, sure, we'll get together. And we just began to get together. First of all, Friday afternoons in my office. We'd get a pizza and we just began to share our lives with one another. Some of the best friends I've ever had in my life came out of that group. 20 plus years. Men like Aaron Johnson. My brother from another mother. Pat Farley. Just, just share, and you know what? God healed my hurts when I began to reveal them. Not, not, not to everybody, but just to a few Christian brothers, in my case, that say, we're, we're not gonna let you keep on, you know, going around in circles like this. We wanna help. And just, it, it's so important. That's why I believe in small groups, because I know what God's done in my life, being in a small group. Psalm 39 verse two says this way, but when I was silent and still, not even saying anything good, my anguish, here it is, it increased. See, bitterness, resentment, relational baggage doesn't get lighter, it gets heavier. It gets worse, it becomes more toxic if we don't deal with it. And so it's so important to reveal the hurt. Here's the second thing. Counterintuitive action for healing. Release the people involved. Release the people involved. Because you know what? We've all hurt people, haven't we? Every one of us has. And, and, and you know what? None of us are perfect. And the only way to do it is not continuing to hold stuff against people. It's tear up the scorecard. Listen, for some of you, just let me connect the dots right now. I'm giving you marriage counseling right now. This is what's gonna make the difference in your marriage. Release the people. Release it. Drop the bags. It's interesting, in Matthew chapter 18, Peter, the disciple, he came to Jesus and he asked him a question about forgiveness. Pretty interesting, let's look at it. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, 22, it said, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, let me read this and I'll explain it. Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times. Now let's stop right there, let me explain. In the Jewish tradition, the Jewish religious tradition, they were taught to forgive three times. Forgive three times and then if someone wrongs you the fourth time, you hold it against them. Peter thought he was really, really being cool here. So he goes, all right. He goes, Before he asks the question, he's like, all right, I'm going to really show how serious I am. He says, all right, three times, I'm going to double that and add one. Seven times. He says, the, the, the rabbis, don't, they teach three times. I'm going to ask Jesus if I have to forgive up to seven times. So he says, up to seven times. And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times. You think you're all that, Peter? But 77 times. And don't you know that Peter just went, oh, snap. <laughs> now listen, 
I'm not going to take the time to read the rest of Matthew 18. Jesus launches into a parable there. You want to read that when you get home, but you want to be sitting down when you read it because it is scathing on this issue of unforgiveness. It it is absolutely mind-blowing. Why? Because God knows we weren't meant to carry this baggage. We, We can't do it. He didn't create you and I to carry this type of relational baggage. And so we need to release the people. The conclusion that, that, that is, comes to at the end of Matthew 18 after Jesus tells this parable of what's called the unforgiving servant. God is unable to do the work in our heart if we don't extend that same work to others. God is unable to do what he wants to do in our hearts if we are unwilling to extend that same work of forgiveness to others. Here's the third thing, the third counterintuitive action. First, we need to reveal the hurt. Secondly, we need to release the people involved. And the third thing is this, we need to refocus on God's plan for our lives because just like Tara, we'll get stuck in our heartbreak and our hurt and we'll never make it to the promised land that God has for us and, and, and fulfill all that God has planned and purposed for us. And so we need to refocus on God's plan for our life. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 19 and 20, you may know this, uh, this story about Joseph who went through all kinds of just awful stuff in his life at the hands of his brothers. But he released them, he forgave them. And look at what he says, Genesis 5, verse 19. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. You know what? I would never want to go back and live through those first few years being a pastor. Never want to have to go through it again. But you know what? I can look back. God did something really, really great in my life through all that difficulty, all that hurt, and all that pain. Do you know what he did? cultivated perseverance and tenacity. And I'm never going to quit. That's the bottom line. Keep my heart right. Drop that relational baggage. Reveal the hurt. Release the people involved and refocus on God's plan. Let me end with this from Job. I think it's very appropriate. This last verse we look at tonight Job 11 verse 13 and 16 it gives us really how we're to respond to relational baggage put your heart right reach out to God he's the only one that can really do it then face the world again firm and courageous then all your troubles will fade from your memory like floods that are past and remembered no more. How beautiful is that? You know, I, I, I'm not going to tell you that in my 20s was when it stopped hurting. <laughs> I, I, people have hurt me since then, people have done me wrong and, and all those things. But you know what? As, as I try with everything in me to just live by the power of the Holy Spirit, and when I recognize I'm carrying relational baggage, just let it go. 
just, just, just really reveal it to someone like, man, pray for me, this is hard. Then to release the person that hurt me. And then to refocus on God's plan for my life. To God, where are you taking me? What is it you're doing? See that big picture? Instead of focusing on the pain, focus on the purpose of God. You know what? The way I like to look at it is this. It's almost like uh, now. It's like when I think about some of those things that happened in my life, it's almost like I'm just watching a, an old DVD. And it's like it's familiar. And I know what's going to happen next. But it's like it happened to someone else. It wasn't me. Because God's just taken the, the, the resentment and that bitterness away. It's like, yeah, I, I remember those kids beating me up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I remember that. I remember getting my heart busted up. Yeah, I remember that. But it's like the emotion is just, it's not there any longer. It's troubles that have faded away like floods that are past and remembered no more. That's what God wants to do in every one of our lives. And so let me ask you this as we close. Is your heart right with God? Just like it says in Job, put your heart right. Is your heart right with God? Reach out to God. Let, let, let him just, like, just drop these bags. Begin to reveal that hurt to someone that, that's not just gonna say, oh, you poor thing, let me just commiserate with you. And say, listen, I'm gonna lift you up. I'm gonna encourage you. We're gonna, we're gonna walk through this together. And, and you're gonna come out on the other side because your heart's right and when you reach out to God, you're gonna be able to face the world again. You, you, you don't have to keep making the same mistakes and, and one broken relationship after another. It doesn't have to be that way. Who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to forgive right now that even as, even as I've been speaking, you're like, there is no way I'm gonna do that. Just remember, you're deciding how you want God to treat you. That's what Jesus said. You're, you're deciding, I'm not forgiving them. God's like, ah, oh, I want to forgive you. But you're deciding the measuring cup of how much is coming your way. This, this, is as, this is as real and, and as serious as it could possibly be. God wants so much more for you and me if we just forgive and let go of the baggage. I'm gonna ask right now, would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Father, Lord, right now, Lord, I know that, that you're here. And, and Lord, I know how much I know what it means to, to carry some really, really heavy, heavy relational baggage. Baggage of disappointment, of heartache, of, of dreams that were shattered. And, and Father, I pray right now, each and every one, in the hearing of my voice, Lord, that, that we would just put our hearts right, that we would reach out to you, Lord. Father, that, that, that we would we would just reveal that hurt, Lord, to some trusting Christian friends that can help us and lighten that load. Lord, that we would release the people that were involved, that hurt us. And Father, we would, we would be able to see, just like Joseph was able to see 
a bigger plan that you were working in the midst of all the heartache and all the hurt. Father, I pray that, that we would choose to live free and travel light, free from relational baggage to fulfill your great and perfect plan for our lives that you created us for. In Jesus' name, amen.